glad to be saved tonight. Uh, tonight uh, we're going to grab uh, part four in this seven-part study about spiritual growth. And tonight we're going to deal with uh, young men. And uh, before we do, let's pray. <clears throat> Father, we sure love you. We thank you for Jesus Christ. And Father, we are thankful, Lord, that you let us come here. Father, you've given us the ability. You've given us the strength. Father, you put gas in the tank for us. And you put strength in our bones. And Father, we are thankful for the old church house. Father, we're thankful, Lord, that we we're just able to sing about uh, being saved, going to heaven, and seeing your face one day. We're thankful, Lord, for the songs of Zion, these testimonies of people that lived uh, many times more than 100 years ago, a couple hundred years ago, and lived a life for you, Father, and they were full of joy. And Father, thank you, Lord, that these songs, these hymns, they give us joy. And no matter what uh, timing we sing them in, Lord, we're thankful for it. And thankful, Lord, that you sent your son to die for us. And thankful, Lord, that you're coming back to get us out of here. Father, we pray that you get us out of here soon. But, Father, teach us from your word tonight. Pray that you'd fill us with your Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. I was thinking about that one song that Brother Cole was talking about. I think Doyle Lawson sings it in 4-4, and I think Elvis sings it in 3-4. So we're just following Elvis. <laughs> throwing that out there but I think uh, I think uh, Quicksilver they do that thing in 4-4 four, four. but anyway it's a great song I don't care how you sing it one two buckle your shoe however that thing goes now so far <laughs> we've covered uh, three stages of spiritual growth that John uh, lists out there we've covered babes and of course that uh, we keyed off of 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 1 when we studied about babes in Christ and uh, we took some comparisons and made some conclusions and made some more distinctions there. And then we uh, looked at little children uh, that John brings up in 1 John chapter 2, verse 1. And then last week we looked at children. We see the distinction of children given in Galatians chapter 3, verse 26. And I understand this is a little bit more clerical maybe than you're used to, but I think there's a lot of good stuff that can be drawn from this study of spiritual growth. And like I said, you and I, we need to spiritually grow. Uh, and wherever the truth is present, wherever the truth is relished, you will grow. And matter of fact, there is no end to your spiritual growth. There is no end. Sometimes you get stuck in a church setting, uh, no matter what, you always visit churches, and there is someone that's just kind of stuffy and snooty and snobby and all that. You know, what? That's just, that's just a constipated Christian. That's all that is. There's no movement of the Holy Ghost. There's no growth. And what happens is things get all stoved up in your Christian life and you want to do the best you can to always have a tender heart towards growth. And uh, so here we have the fourth stage of spiritual growth, which is young men. Now the text we're going to grab is 1 John chapter 2, but before you turn there, I want to make just a couple comments about this stage. I've got a lot of references. I probably have close to 90 references, and I, I would just say this. I'll try to move through them as quick as we can. And uh, we might not hit all of them, and that's okay. As most of you know, though, when a man is saved, spiritually, you lose your identity. Does that make sense to you? Uh, when a man or a woman gets saved, and I'll try to draw the distinction, the delineation here, uh, you lose your uh, identity. Look at Galatians chapter 3, verse 26 real quickly. I want to show this to you and move right on. Uh, I don't want to sit here and try to clarify everything I say about gender and about identity and so forth and so on. So I want to show it to you. I want to establish the fact, I think that most of you already know, as we went through the book of Galatians a while back. But I want to show you quickly, Galatians chapter 3, verse 26. The Bible says, For you are the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. 
ends forth our study last week on uh, children, okay? So he says, you're all children of God by faith in Christ Jesus, distinguishing how someone is saved. By faith in Christ Jesus. 27, for as many of you have been baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. It's not talking about water baptism, is it? It's talking about the spiritual baptism, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13, where you are baptized into Christ, the only baptism of Ephesians 4 that matters. Galatians chapter 3, verse 28 says, There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you're all one in Christ Jesus. That's spiritually. So spiritually, you lose your identity when you get saved. Spiritually, you lose your ethnicity. That's why I said there's neither Jew nor Greek. Spiritually, you lose your gender, specifically if you're a female. Why? You're all one in Christ Jesus. Uh, it says in 1 John, what is it, chapter 3? Uh, it says, we don't know what we shall appear, but we know we shall be as he is. And how is Jesus Christ? Jesus Christ is male. God the Father is male. Jesus Christ was born a male, Right? All right, so we're all one in Christ Jesus, so that's why the terminology in the Bible is male, man, men, mankind. Uh, This book is male. Jesus Christ is male. God the Father is male. When you get saved, you become one in Christ. You take on Jesus Christ. You get rid of you, spiritually speaking, and you literally lose your identity, but you still have it physically in the flesh down here. Uh, I'm still a German male and she's still an English female, okay? That's how that thing rolls when you're in the flesh. But spiritually, uh, you're one in Christ, just like uh, Jesus Christ is our husband, right? That's why Paul says uh, in 2 Corinthians eleven two, he says, For I'm jealous over you with godly jealousy, for I have espoused you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. So don't get tripped up over the terminology tonight. The Bible's male. That's why preaching is to be done by male. That's why the husband is over the wife. Why? Because Christ is over his bride, which is the church. So that's just quick understanding. I think you get it. Now, I want you to take the Bible, go to 1 John chapter 2. Let's get into this thing about young men. And you're going to notice in 1 John chapter 2, we're going to take our text from verse 13 and 14. Uh, John doesn't have a stuttering problem, but he repeats something here in these two verses. The Bible says in 1 John 2.13, I write unto you, fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. Uh, That's next week, by the way. I write unto you, young men. That's what we want. We're after the young men tonight. This is the fourth stage in spiritual growth. Young men, because you've overcome the wicked one. I write unto you, little children, because you've known the Father. I write unto you, fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. I write unto you, young men, because you're strong. And the word of God abideth in you, and ye have overcome the wicked one. You see how he repeats that thing twice? Ye have overcome the wicked one. So there's about three things said about the young man here tonight. And there's enough to preach about a month of Sundays here. And like I said, John, he didn't have a stuttering problem. But uh, he uh, repeats himself, and he says, you've overcome the wicked one. And then he adds a couple of things along with it. You're strong, and the word abideth in you. So these all have to do with what? The young man's strength. Young man's strength. Uh, And uh, so let's look at this phrase that is repeated in verse 13 and 14. All right, that's the first thing we'll look at. Ye have overcome the wicked one. So let's just make a couple, uh, draw a couple comparisons, conclusions, and and just look at some spiritual applications here. 
Uh, you and I, we can make the spiritual application tonight that a young man is able to get the victory over sin if he chooses. He's overcome the wicked one. You see that? Spiritually speaking, in his stage of growth, the young man is able to get victory over sin if he chooses. Would you agree with me tonight? If you choose to and you're in this stage of growth, you can get victory over sin if you choose. All right? And uh, a babe, a little child and children, they're still learning obedience, right? Children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Little children constantly have to be told, no, don't do that, no, don't do that, stop it, quit it, shut up, sit down, be quiet, turn around, get your clothes on, hang your clothes up, don't talk, talk, right? Like, <laughs> like I saw that meme, that little kid's looking all bewildered. He says, first of all, you tell me to say something, now you tell me to shut up, which one is it? <laughs> Like at the dinner table, my parents would look at me and say, shut up and eat. I'm thinking, which one should I do? Should I shut up or should I eat? Can you do both? If you shut up, you can't. Anyway, all right. Take your Bible, go to Romans chapter 6, verse 11. A young man is able to overcome the wicked one by getting victory over sin. By getting victory over sin. Romans 6.11, the Bible says, Likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. So in this stage of growth as a Christian, that young man, he reckons. That word reckon means to count. He counts on it. That young man can count on it that he himself is dead unto sin. And when he sins now, it is simply because he has chosen to sin, not because he has to. But John says, young men, you've overcome the wicked one. And a young man, spiritually speaking, he can get victory over sin. So first of all, he's able to overcome the wicked one by reckoning himself dead unto sin and alive unto God. Let me give you another reason he's able to overcome the wicked one. Take your Bible, go to Psalm 119. Psalm 119. You've got to realize you don't sin unless you want to sin. And if you can get that thing figured out, that's the first uh, step in responsibility. Understanding that you only sin because you want to sin. But you can have victory over that sin. Alright, here's another reason you can overcome the wicked one. Psalm 119 verse 11 is a very familiar verse. The Bible says, Thy word have I hid in my heart. Just write down the reference if you can't get there. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Alright, number one, he reckons himself dead indeed unto sin and alive unto God. Number two, that young man, you know what he does? To overcome the wicked one, he memorizes the word. He memorizes the word. He can memorize it, and it actually now means something. Why? He's off the milk. Remember last week? That's Isaiah 28, 9. Who can learn that book? He who is drawn from the breast, right? Isaiah 28, 9. He memorizes the word, and now it means something because he's off the milk. A young man, he'll love a good uh, glass of milk, but he's off the milk. He doesn't have to have the milk. All right, he can memorize it. Why? Because now he's got a daily diet of it. You know, the more you watch something, the more you know what's coming, don't you? The more you uh, listen to a song, the more you can sing along with it. And the more you read something, the more you eyeball it, the more you can memorize it. Psalm 1-2 says, But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. You see that? He's got a regular diet of the Word of God. He's off the milk. He's got a daily diet. And here's another one. That young man has begun to choose spiritual food over physical food. Spiritual food over physical food. I'll give you Job 23.12. Job 23.12. Talking about a young man here. And like I said, I don't want to keep clarifying. 
you know, young men as in someone who's saved at this particular stage of growth. Job chapter 23 and verse 12, the Bible says, Job says, Neither have I gone back from the commandment of his lips. I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Now, like I said, spiritually, we're talking about a young man and his growth in the Lord. You know what a young man begins to do? He begins to realize that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God, Matthew chapter 4, verse 4. Once you start realizing that it's more than just Wheaties and cornflakes and bologna and salami and ramen noodles and a little bit of goulash every now and then, but you got to have that book to live, well, then you're starting to grow. And it's okay to skip a physical meal once in a while, but you never better not skip the spiritual meal. Amen? Matter of fact, uh, fasting on physical food has certain health benefits to it, and like your clothes will fit better, and you won't look like you put up on a spare tire upside down all the time. Amen? But when you start skipping spiritual food, that's when you stop growing. Now, something else he says about the young man. Number one, he reckons himself dead indeed unto sin. Number two, he memorizes the word. And number three, he starts getting his focus right. He starts getting his focus right. Look at Galatians chapter 5. You say, why? How, how does that have to do with anything? Well, he's overcome the wicked run. You can only overcome the wicked run, one, if you got your focus right. If you're off kilter, if you're out of focus, that, that devil, sin, is going to take care of you. Galatians 5.16. Starting to get focus on the right things. And for, you know, the thing about kids is, well, the kid, they're, they're ADHD. No, they're kids is what they are. <laughs> uh, kids generally and naturally don't have a long attention span. That's what they call when I was a kid. My, my parents would be like, oh, you got a short attention span, you know. And at that time, cartoons went a half hour. Now the thing with uh, kids these days is smartphones and 30-second clips on the phone. Average kid right now, a high schooler, probably has a tension span of 30 seconds. Thank you, TikTok. And if you can get a conversation out of a high schooler for more than 30 seconds, am I telling the truth, sister teacher? Thank you very much. In the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. <laughs> it's terrible. And I'll tell you, if you're not careful, you'll go backwards in your growth. But that young man, in that stage of growth, he's starting to focus on the right things. Galatians 5.16, the Bible says, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So that young man spiritually has got his focus right, and you know what he's doing? He's doing the Hebrews. I'll come back to the verse. Give me just a second. I'm wound up tighter than eight-day clock. He's got his focus right, and that's Hebrews 12.2, right? Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. His focus is in the right place. He's focusing on the right things like walking in the Spirit. He's focused on walking in the Spirit. He's focused on his walk. He's focused on walking right. That's the young man. He's got his eyes in the right place. They're straightforward. You know what that young man's not worried about? He's not worried about how someone else is walking. He's not worried about someone else's race. He's focusing on his own walk. He's focusing on his own race. That's 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 1, so that you may please and walk and please God more and more, if I said that thing right. So he's, he's focusing on his own walk. He's focusing on his own race. And he's learning patience while he does it. You think you get, you're a young man out there and you start taking the world by force and you find out in a matter of years the, the world takes over you by force. 
and you're not as tough as you think you are. You're learning some patience. Look at a couple verses later, verse 18. But if you be led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. See, the thing, if you're going to walk in the Spirit, that young man knows that he's going to have to be led by the Spirit. Everyone talks about walking the Spirit, walking the Spirit. Amen. Well, how in the world are you going to walk in the Spirit? Well, you've got to be led by the Spirit. You can't just walk around aimlessly like a ping-pong ball on a table, pinging here and pinging there like a Christian with ants in their pants. But if you be led by the, of the Spirit, that's the thing. You've got to be led. And the young man in this stage of growth, he focuses on walking in the Spirit. Why? Because he's led of the Spirit. He's not led by his opinion. So he flushes his opinions. He's not led by his preferences. So he flushes his preferences. He's not led by his dreams. Yes, I'm going to say it. So he flushes his dreams. And he asks the Lord for the Lord's dreams and the Lord's desires and the Lord's ways. And he's not led by some inner voice. That's the most dangerous thing in the world you can go by, some inner voice. Yet why? Because sometimes the Lord and the devil work so close together, you don't know who's talking. Don't you realize over there was in the book of Kings that says, and the Lord stood up and did this, and you get over to Chronicles, and the Bible says, and Satan stood up and did this, and it's talking about the exact same thing. You know what I'm talking about? When David sinned and numbered the people, the one passage said the Lord did it, and the other passage, which is the parallel passage, said Satan did it. So which is right? They both are. The Lord did it by having Satan do it. And that teaches you a very practical lesson. Many times the devil and the Lord work so close together. You can't go by an inner voice. You've got to be led by the Spirit. And you've got to be led by the Holy Spirit, not an unholy spirit. All right? Not a preference, not an inner voice. You can't be led by mom and daddy. You've got to be led by the Spirit of God. And that being said, 2 Corinthians 3.13 says, Now the Lord is that Spirit, capital S-P-I-R-I-T, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. That characterizes young men many times, very libertine. And the Spirit of the Lord is there as liberty. So that young man, he overcomes the wicked one, not because he's a tough guy, not because he's rude, not because he's crude and kicking over everything and calling everything a name. Amen? You only got to be tough if the situation calls for it to be tough. Now you can own all the guns in the world, but you ain't got to pull them on and point them at somebody unless they're going to kill you. <laughs> Probably a good idea if you don't. (laughs) But he overcomes the wicked one because he's able to have victory over sins and besetting sins. That's Hebrews 12, 2. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. That young man's memorizing the word of God. He's focused on his walk, walking in the spirit, being yielded to the spirit, and ultimately being led by the spirit. So what in the world does that mean? Well, the way that you and I are led by the spirit is that you have to be full of the Spirit. You can't be led if you're not filled. The great one, two great passages on this is Luke chapter 4 verse 1. Luke chapter 4 verse 1 and the Bible says, and Jesus being full of the Holy Ghost returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. You want to know the right thing to do and the right place to go? Just be continually filled with the Spirit of God. And you pray that prayer when you get up in the morning, Lord fill me with your Spirit. And then you just don't expect him to do it. Then you get your nose in the book and get to reading it. Amen. And you have communion with God. And lunchtime rolls around. You bow your head for your Twinkies and your crackers or whatever it is. Your Lord, fill me with your spirit. Why? Well, just in case you sprung a little bit of a leak, right? You ever spring a leak on Monday morning? 
by about 6 a.m. You think you lost your salvation, but thank God you can't. And you say, Lord, please. <laughs> Some honest people. Only a couple, but honest. You fill me with your spirit. Why? The Holy Spirit flew out the window on your way to work when that idiot pulled out in front of you. Right? Just like that, you're in the flesh. <laughs> so you got to pray again, Lord, fill me with your spirit. And maybe you can listen to some good godly music and get you back up to the third heaven. Amen. Maybe you can take a three-by-five card out. I'm trying to help you tonight. Maybe you take a three-by-five card out of your pocket, right? You got that verse you're working on. Amen. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. <laughs> and that verse that you're battling your thought life, that verse that you're battling your tongue with that verse that you're battling, you know, materialism with, and you pull that thing out of your pocket and say, thank you, Lord, for that verse, and claim the victory through the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. And not only that, Paul says in Ephesians 5.18, and be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. That's a command. You and I are commanded to be filled with the Spirit. I've heard people pray before, and I'm not judging them wrongly or thinking they're bad people. Lord, fill the preacher with the Holy Spirit. Fill yourself, man. Thanks for praying for me, but make sure you're filled. <laughs> and Paul says, be you filled with the Spirit. The reason Christians are not led by the Spirit is simple. They're not filled with the Spirit. Well, what in the world are they fill with? I don't know. Mark chapter 4, verse 19 says they're filled with the cares of this world. A lot of Christians aren't led by the Spirit because they're not filled with the Spirit. And they're filled with the cares of this world. Which brings us to our next thought. Number one, a young man, he's overcome the wicked one, according to the Apostle John. Amen. And number two, that young man is strong. Amen. Look back to 1 John 2.14. He says, I have written unto you, young men, because ye are strong. Right? You learn as a kid for, they are weak, but he is strong. And you put the old guns up there, right? Deaths and Troy there. Anyways, <clears throat> I've written unto you, young men, because you're strong. Interesting enough, the scriptures are very clear on this. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 29. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 29, the Bible says the glory of young men is their strength. Amen. <clears throat> I remember back in Lupton when I was a young man. You say, hey, you're, not, you're not a young man. Well, I'm younger than some. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> but I ain't young. That ship done sailed, brother. <laughs> I remember back in Lupton, the church got these new, brand new, not brand new, they're brand new to us at the time, them oak pews. Remember them oak pews? I'm telling you what, they were every bit as long as this, if not longer. And I remember there, I was in my 30s, and I was in the prime of my life, and weighed none of your business pounds, amen. And I, I could get on one end of that pew, and it'd take two grown men to get on the other side. And I just remember sitting there and feeling all the strength in your bones and the sinews grasping, and i just flex. And I'm like, anytime you boys are ready, being the smart aleck that I was, and I'd walk over that. If I did that now, I'd throw everything up. Matter of fact, I think I just pulled a muscle trying to do that thing right there. Amen? But the glory of the young man it is his strength. But the beauty of the old man is what? The gray head. Some of you old men are beautiful. <laughs> the glory. This is, uh, it says the beauty of old men is the gray head. Amen. She is touched. Amen. <laughs> That's Proverbs 20, verse 29. Not only that, but you go to Proverbs 24, 5. The Bible says, a wise man is strong. A man of knowledge increaseth strength. So the young man's glory is a strength, and if he's smart about it, he can keep increasing his strength. Amen. He can keep maxing out. Remember that? When you used to lift weights? Let's, we're going to max out today. 
I loved to max out because you only had to do one rep. And you just go until all the veins blow up in your face. And, you know, it was, it was just ridiculous. Weird smells in the weight room, you know what I mean? You know, everyone's just all pumped up and just all, you know, swole. But I'm telling you, the young man's glory is a strength that if he's smart about it, spiritually, you can keep increasing strength. There's no reason why you got to stunt your spiritual growth. Paul's final instruction to the carnal baby church at Corinth is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13. Remember? 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1. He's calling them babes, right? His final parting instruction to that church, you know what it is? I'll paraphrase it. Grow up. There are babes in chapter 3, verse 1. And in chapter 16, verse 13, he says, Watch ye, stand fast in the faith, quit you like men, be strong. He's telling a bunch of baby, childish Christians to quit it or quit you like men. It's like, act like men. Can I paraphrase it? I know you're not there yet, but you need to act like a man. And he says, and when you act like a man, you're going to be strong. And you need to be strong because why? Young men are strong. Look over to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. That young man, that young man spiritually, he's got some strength. Remember when uh, you started growing up a little bit and all of a sudden, uh, you know, your mom or daddy said, uh, hey, will you bring in that bag of salt and you threw that thing over your shoulders like it was just like a little twig? Or it used to take like two or three of you to get in the house when you was a little kid. Now, maybe you gals, maybe not so much, right? But that young man spiritually has got some strength and he's able to overcome the wicked one by getting victory over sin, by memorizing the word, by walking in the spirit. And you know what? That young man is strong because he realizes strength is not in his arms or his legs. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, the Bible says, Finally, my brethren, verse 10, be strong how? In the Lord and in the power of his might. Now watch this. The young man's strength has to be in the Lord. You know why? Because the Lord could care less about how strong your arms or legs are. Let me give you this one, Psalm 147.10. The Lord don't care if you can bench press a Camaro or squat a dump truck. He don't care about that stuff. The Lord wants to know, are you strong in Him? You know what the Lord wants to know? If you're strong enough to tell your flesh no. The Lord wants to know, are you strong enough to read that book that's in your lap every single day? The Lord wants to know, are you strong enough to talk to me every day instead of just a cuss word when you get mad? The Lord wants to know, are you strong enough to get to know me better than you knew me last week? Are you strong enough to get victory over sin? Are you strong enough to stay in fellowship with, uh, with Jesus Christ? Are you strong enough to witness to your friends? Are you strong enough to witness to lost family members? Are you, str- you see what I mean? Are you strong enough to, you know, to witness to the doctor that just gave you a bad report about your health? That's called being strong in the Lord. Why? Because it sure ain't in your own strength. Just like Paul told Timothy in 1 uh, Timothy chapter 4, verse 12, when he said, Let no man despise thy youth, right? He said, but be thou an example of the believers. That's 1 Timothy 4.12. Be an example of the believers in word and conversation and charity and spirit and faith and purity. You know, Paul tells Timothy, he says, hey man, don't worry about some of these, these old timers running you down. He said, let no man despise thy youth. That's what he says. To the elderly and the aged, many times youth is wasted time with little to no listening and little learning done. But if the truth were known, when we get older, see, I'll put myself in the back seat with that. When we get older, we're jealous of what you young people have. Say, so what do I have? You've got youth on your side. 
and we don't. That's why we get the strong backs to move stuff. So Paul says, hey, Timothy, don't sweat it, but rather be an example of the believers. He says, be an example in word, what you say, in conversation, how you live, in charity, and how you love, in spirit, that's in your attitude, in faith, in the book, and in purity, and that's how you live a clean life. But you're not supposed to be strong in your own might. Not only that, look at 2 Timothy 2.1. A young man is strong. That's what the Apostle John says. We're showing you how a young man can be strong. And at this stage of growth, you can often, often, not always, but you can often see the most notable changes in Christians. Just like you do physically in a young man, you come... uh, uh, some of you have young men that you're around and all of a sudden you start smelling strange smells and you're like, hey, you go back there and you put on this thing called deodorant. Things are changing. And all of a sudden you come out and there's a couple hairs here, right? All right, teach a burr head how to shave or something. We just let them learn themselves and cut themselves all to pieces, you know. But in this stage, the Lord deals with Christians many times on their appearance, including their apparel. Why? Just like a young man. Appearance, apparel. Many times this is the place and time where a young man's spiritual will be dealt with by the Lord on his speech. Or towards, how about his mannerisms towards, don't you have to teach young men how to act towards young women? Don't you have to teach young men how to act towards their brethren? <laughs> and rather whoop the daylights out of them and be nice to them. Don't you have to say, hey, cut it out. Hey, be nice. <laughs> Not in the house. <laughs> right? 2 Timothy 2.1, the Bible says, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. All right, so here's a young man that's not only strong in the Lord, but now he's learned to be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. You be strong in the Lord, and then you be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And, of course, it's not just talking about learning references and verses, which is proper. Amen. But that young man is beginning to learn grace. Now, not just the grace that saves, but how about the grace that makes a young man spiritually strong? How about enabling grace? It takes grace to grow. It takes grace to give. It takes grace to suffer. It takes grace to serve. And that's what, that's what Paul's telling Timothy. You need to be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And you know, grace is the great teacher teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Second Timothy, or Titus rather, chapter 2. Now you know what else makes that young man strong? How about this? The fact that he's continually changing and advancing his diet in the Word of God. He's continually changing and advancing his diet in the Word of God. Look at Hebrews chapter 5. Now, I know I'm going fast, but we're about halfway through. And I hope this is enlightening. I hope this uh, tunes you up tonight and uh, gets you excited about serving the Lord and growing. Like I said, most of us, we think we're farther along spiritually than we are. My hand's in the air. But here's the deal. Are you growing? If you stop growing, isn't it time to start eating again and get after it? Hebrews chapter 5, look at verse 12. The Bible says, for when for the time ye ought to be teachers. Isn't that something? Paul says this group of individuals ought to have been something, but they weren't it. You know what that tells me in the Christian life? The Lord has plans for you. He knows your aptitude and your ability to grow, and He expects you to grow at that pace. And you probably should be at a certain place, but since you're not, you're going to have to go back and take the class over. Teachers, you have need that one teach you again. Never forget that. 
Sometimes in your Christian life, you're going to have to take the class over. Uh, which be the first principles of the oracles of God and are become such as have need of, how about that? You're going backwards. Milk and not of strong meat. That's forwards. For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the world of righteousness, for he is a babe. 14. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Now, a young man, he might like a good glass of, a cold glass of milk, but the longer a young man begins to exercise him in the matters of Christian living, the fuller he comes into the stature of Jesus Christ, the more that young man is going to crave some strong meat from time to time. Now, listen, if you, all you ever do is eat meat, you ever heard of the Atkins diet? You become what? Lean and mean. You take carbs completely out of your life, you become an uh, irritable person. And you'll slim down, won't you? You become lean and mean. That's where they get that. Why? All you're doing is eating strong meat. I know a bunch of Christian Bible-believing that love the Lord. They're soul winners, so forth and so on. But they're so stinking lean and mean, I wouldn't tangle with them. I wouldn't. I wouldn't go out to eat with them. Why? I can't stand them. They're irritating. I burn everyone's saddle. Well, you don't have much grace. You pray for me on that. I know you got it all. You go eat with them. Amen. All right, but the longer a young man begins to exercise himself in the matters of Christian living, he's going to crave some strong meat. I mean, in there, to me, there's nothing better than how mama makes venison steak. Or how about a fresh venison backstrap? You know, butterfly it out there. And I don't know how she does it. I don't care. Just she fit. And I take my fork for the most part and cut it with a fork. Man, I eat that stuff all night long. Full flavor. But you know what you got to do? You got to chew it. You can't swallow her down like applesauce. You choke to death, won't you? I mean, would you agree that it takes a little bit of work to chew some steak? It does. It takes some work and takes the body work to digest, right? It doesn't take much to digest milk, a little bit of breaking down there, but you get a piece of venison steak and the body's going to have to work to digest it. And that's why full age is required in that passage right there. That's why young men love meat. I'm not talking hot dogs either, amen? But young men are strong because of an ever-increasing diet of the Word of God. Let me give you another reason real quick. Another reason the young man has strength, because he's full of joy, full of the joy of the Lord. And you pick that, of course, up in Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10. Nehemiah 8:10. Reason that young man is strong, because he gets his strength from the joy of the Lord. The Bible says, for this day, chapter 8, verse 10, is holy unto our Lord, neither be ye sorry, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. You know why some, some Christians are so cotton-picking weak? Because they're always a sourpuss. They're always sorrowful about everything. Everything's negative, everything's bad, and everything's terrible, and everything's just tore up all... You enjoy anything about your Christian life? This young man in this stage of growth, you know what he does? He enjoys being saved. He's enjoying his salvation. He's enjoying his Christianity. You know what he knows? He's not going to win all the battles, but he's winning some. Amen. He's getting victory over a sin. He's trying to spiritually put himself in a position where the Spirit of God produces fruit. Look at Galatians chapter 5. And that's another reason he's full of joy. Because the Holy Spirit's producing joy in his life. The joy of the Lord is his strength. He's producing joy by the Spirit of God. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. You see it right there. The joy is right there in fruit that is produced by the Spirit of God. You know what I know about young men physically? Young men, I'm talking about. Well, even some older men too, which is rotten shame. They often try to prove to this world that they are a man. 
And one of the ways you know they're trying to prove themselves a man is to go find themselves a gal and they'll have a baby with her. You see what I mean? Young men are always trying to prove that they're a man. And the number one way they prove themselves a man is usually beating the fire out of somebody or go finding a gal and shacking up with her and having it. That don't make you a man. All that proves is you can make a baby and then make a mess. It just proves you can make a baby. When the Spirit of God produces fruit in your spiritual life, there is joy unspeakable and full of glory. That young man, he's trying to put himself in a position where the Spirit of God can produce joy in his life, produce fruit, because why? He's strong. He draws strength from the Lord. And because he's in love with the one that saved him from his sins. So that young man, number one, he's overcome the wicked one in John 2, 13 and 14. Number two, that young man is strong. And let me give you number three. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 14, that young man, the Bible says... <clears throat> I've written unto you, young men, because ye are strong, and the word of God abideth in you, and ye have overcome the wicked. So that young man has the word of God abiding inside of him. You see that? Take your Bible, go to Revelation chapter 3. Revelation chapter 3, verse 8. Just turn there if you can't reach it. Revelation chapter 3, verse 8. Or write it down, that's what I meant. <clears throat> Bible says in Revelation 3, 8, I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it. For thou hast a little strength, and hast kept my word, and hast not denied my name. <clears throat> so this to me, it matches up with 1 John 2, 13 and 14, the same author. The young man has strength in both passages, and here he's got a little strength because he keeps the word. And for us, that's the authorized version, King James Bible. You keep the book. Amen. You don't trade it for Greek and Hebrew scholarship. You don't trade the Word of God for some perverted knockoff version that changes anywhere between 5,000 to 60,000 words like the NIV does, like the ASV does, like the ESV does, and like all 283 versions on the market do. They pull up between 5,000 to 60,000 words that are found in your King James Bible. You don't trade it for your upbringing. When you fall out of fellowship with the brethren, you don't trade it for your denomination. When this denomination, when the Baptists, when they go to uh, 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 Hades in a handbasket, you don't throw the book away. You just pitch the denomination and stick with the book. You stick with the old black book. The AV 1611 came out of the Protestant Reformation. That whole song says, I don't remember who wrote it. It says, what's wrong with the old black book my daddy used to read from? Is it so outdated by modern translations? Revised standard and good news everywhere I look. Won't somebody tell me what's wrong with the old black book? There's about two or three more fun verses of that. There ain't nothing wrong with that old black book, amen? People are pitching it left and right, and there's nothing wrong with it. So that young man, he's kept the book and has a little strength, John says. For John said, the word abideth in you. Not only that, the young man is one who's kept the word, the word abideth in you. <clears throat> and we've already said this, but in Psalm 119, verse 11, he's, it's inside of him because he's memorizing it. But mostly because he's reading it. 1 Timothy chapter 4. It's inside him because he's memorized it when he was young, but mostly now because he's reading it. 1 Timothy 4, 13. You see, Timothy's a young man, so the type fits. And Paul tells Timothy after he says to be an example. Remember, we were in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12. 
where Paul looks at Timothy and says, Listen, let no man despise thy youth, but be an example. And he blats it off, rattles it off, all how he's supposed to be an example. The very next verse, you know how you're going to be an example? You're going to have to be in that book. And he says in verse 13, Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. You notice in that list of three, importance always comes on reading first. Reading is first on the list. I'm just saying you better get your nose in the book, Christian. Every single day. You can't afford to miss a day in that book if you want to get strong in the Lord and stay strong. And reading is first. Didn't Jesus Christ say in John 15, 3, Ye are clean through the word which I have spoken you? I mean, clean like soap and water. What? Through the word which I have spoken. You need to read that book every day because it cleans you up. You're saying, just reading that book? I mean, I sit down and read it. Yeah, soap and water, babe. <laughs> Ye are clean through the word which I have spoken you. Reading is first. You give attendance to reading. Then next on the list, exhortation. That's preaching. That's the church house. That's not flake book. That's not YouTube. That's not www. All right? Read the book. Get under the preaching second. You see what I mean? You read the book during the week. You get under the preaching when the doors are open. And God confirms what you read. And finally, doctrine. Doctrine's the last thing Paul says there, and that's Bible study. In that 2 Timothy 2.15, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. All right, reading, preaching, and studying sound doctrine. Examine each passage of the word of God in the context of which it's given. That's rightly dividing the word of truth. And you've heard it said before, where doctrine is not rightly divided, it will always be wrongly united. Wrongly united. And that has produced every heresy since Genesis chapter 4 and Cain's fruit stand religion. So in closing, the young man has overcome the wicked one. The young man is strong. And that young man has the word of God abiding in him. You see, he's kept the word. He's memorizing the Word. He's reading the Word every day. He's not just reading it, but then he's actively applying it as the Holy Spirit gives him light. Well, that's Psalm 119.9 and verse 130. Psalm 119.9, Bible says, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy way, to thy word. By taking heed thereto according to thy word. And then you grab verse uh, 130. Psalm 119, 130, the entrance of thy words giveth light. It giveth understanding unto the simple. So if you read that verse, you probably memorize it, but if more you read it, you see that the light of the book is what gives understanding. And you might read it once and not understand it, but the more you read it, the more light God will give you on that passage. It giveth understanding. You see, it gives you light first. And the more you read it, then it helps you understand it. And then verse 9, you take heed to it. You see it? You get the light, then you get the understanding about what it means, and then I got to do something with it, and then you apply it. That's how that works. You'll never apply it if you don't understand it, and you'll never understand it if you don't read it. And once you understand it, the young man's able to apply it in his own life. The young man reads the word, the young man understands the word, the young man applies the word, and then you know what you're supposed to do with it after you apply it? Then you continue in it. That's Joshua chapter 1 verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. We already said the verse, Psalm chapter 1 verse 2. In his law doth he meditate day and night. 
By the way, that's also 2 Timothy 3.14. 2 Timothy 3.14 where Paul tells young Timothy, you know what he says? But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned. Once you got it, you got to continue. Once you get it, you got to keep going on with it. Let me ask you this question. I'm sure it'd be probably rhetorical. Have you learned from this book? Are you assured of the book? Is the book right? Are you assured of who you learned them from? That'd be the Holy Spirit of God. Me too. Amen? So now what? We've got to continue in the things which we've learned. You've got to continue in the things which you learned. That's the admonition of the young man doing something for God. Paul says continue. You know what the Lord says for the Apostle John in Revelation chapter 3 verse 2? He says this in Revelation chapter 3 verse 2, Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain. So the young man has overcome some things. The young man has got some strength. And that's because the Word of God abides with, uh, inside of him. He hasn't cast it aside. He reads it daily. He memorizes it. He applies it. He continues it. And knowing that he's got to watch his step every moment of the day. Knowing full well that he's got to continually strengthen what he's got. Strengthen what he's got. you got a game coming up tonight. And let me tell you what. These guys didn't get to the stupid bowl or the Super Bowl by being stupid. I'm going to tell you, every single one of these professional athletes has counted every single calorie, has measured every single workout, has jotted and has recorded every single weight lifted, every push-up, every sit-up. And we make fun of them. And probably some of it's all right. <laughs> but let me tell you what, they are continuing what they know. They are strengthening what they got. Because you know what, if they don't, they won't be in the Super Bowl. I don't care about the Super Bowl. I want to stand at the judgment seat of Christ as a young man and, you know, have a little bit of strength because I didn't throw that book away. I memorized it. I read it. I kept it. I applied it. I understood it. I got the light from it, and I continued it, and I strengthened myself from it. Strengthen the things that remain in the life that you have. And if the young man's willing to get off the throne and abandon the wrong things, like I preached about this morning, then he can strengthen the things. Well, how long you got to do that? Well, Ephesians 4.13, and we'll shut it down. How long you got to keep strengthening? How long you got to keep training? How long you got to keep working out? How long you got to keep, uh, how long you got to keep uh, reading? How long you got to keep memorizing? All right, Ephesians 4.13. Paul says, Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man under the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, and the perfect man is Jesus Christ. So you and I can keep going and going and growing and growing until when? Until we get out of here. Out of this flesh, out of this mortal body. And Paul says, under the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Listen, till we get home to glory, we ought to keep growing. And ought to keep going. And that will we'll stop there. We could go about three more hours on the young man, but you get the, you get the gist. That's uh, part four. All right. Whew, breathe. All right, you may stand. All right. Brother McKnight, why don't you pray us home, man?